The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test and said, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Uh, so once again, we join Jesus as he travels from Galilee to Jerusalem. This wilderness journey, it's a time of sorting, a sorting among the disciples who's going to follow Jesus and who's going to stay in Galilee. A time of transformation, a time of preparation for the way of the cross. It's that in-between place. It's a place where assumptions are challenged, the assumption about who is God? Who is the Messiah? All of these things are challenged. It's a wilderness place where our idols are revealed. What do we hold that is more important than God? What do we hold on to that keeps us from being in the presence of God? So it's a good journey for this ordinary time, this time where we walk the life of the church, this time in which we are prepared for the way of the cross. So as Jesus travels from Galilee to Jerusalem, he meets a lawyer. Now this isn't a lawyer like we think of lawyers, the guys that, that take us to court, the guys that handle our legal work. This is someone who is schooled in the law of Moses. In other gospels, they're called scribes. Luke calls this man a lawyer. We might think of this in our terms as a theologian, one who studies the ways of God to sort them out and to render judgment as to what is right and what is wrong. And this lawyer comes up to Jesus in order to test him. Now, this may be good, this may be bad. He may be coming to say, 
All right, this Jesus, are you truly the Messiah? A testing of spirits, what we would call discernment. A way of saying, wow, this thing that I'm hearing, this, this way, this movement of God, that I think is a movement of God, is it leading me towards God or away from God? A testing to say, is this leading me to love or away from love? But I don't think that's what this guy's doing. I think truly he's coming and saying, I've seen what you're doing. I've seen the inbreaking of the kingdom, and I don't really like this kingdom. Is this the kingdom that I want? Or do I not really want this kingdom? He comes to say, all right, Jesus, if you're truly bringing the kingdom, are you bringing my kingdom? Are you on my side or am I against you? So he comes to test Jesus. Sometimes we do that as well, don't we? We come in prayer to test God. Are you truly the God that I want? Are you the true God? Are you really doing the things that are according to the way that I understand you, according to my theology, according to my preconceptions about what God should be? Or do I need to change? This lawyer comes to test God, and in turn, he is tested. He comes to Jesus and says, Teacher, what must I do? to inherit eternal life? What must I do to take my part in the inheritance of the land, of the land that the Messiah is coming to restore, this everlasting land, this everlasting Jerusalem? What must I do to have a part in it? And Jesus turns to him and says, you search the scriptures. What does the word of God say? And the lawyer searches the scriptures. I wonder when we search the scriptures, do we really search for God's will or do we cherry pick and try to find the ways that we can twist scripture into our own desires? When we come to test God and God says, what does my word say? Do we look at the full canon? I love the way that our articles of religion instruct the church to look at the fullness of Scripture. It is not lawful that the church should ordain anything that is contrary to God's word written. Neither may it so expound one place of Scripture that it be repugnant to another. How often do we take that one little verse that we like and use it as a weapon against all of those that disagree with us? See, God tells us, search the scriptures. Search for my way. The lawyer responds to Jesus saying, the way of the scripture is the way of love. The love for God and the love for neighbor. Jesus says, okay, do it. Okay, you know the right answer, now do it. How often do we go and we search the word looking to say, well, is that something I'm going to do or not? And yet throughout scripture we hear, we hear in our psalm today, this, this invitation to God to tell us what to do. Show me your paths, O Lord, and teach me your ways. Lead me forth in your truth and teach me, 
For you are the God of my salvation, and you has been my hope all day long. We read that. We read that together today. Are we truly willing to be taught? Are we truly willing to walk the difficult way of love? Now go do it. You know, I heard a story about a battalion commander in Iraq, and a man asked him, in your time in command, in this difficult time of war and combat, how many moral dilemmas did you face? The man thought for a minute, and the commander responded, one, every other time I knew what was right, I just didn't want to do it. Most of the time, what we consider a moral dilemma is not really a moral dilemma. It's not the difference between this right and this right. It's a difference between what's right and what we want. Jesus challenges us. He holds a mirror up before us in this parable and says, you know that you're called to love. Now do it. We heard in our reading from Deuteronomy, this commandment that I command you today, it's not too hard for you, neither is it far off. But the word is very near to you. It's in your mouth, it's in your heart, so that you can do it. This is the same commandment. And yet, in our weakness, we often choose a different path. We hear from the prophet Jeremiah, this is what the Lord says. I invite you to come back. Stand in the ways and seek the ancient paths. Know where the good way is and walk in it. And then you will find a resting place for your soul. And the people said, we will not walk in it. To me, that's one of the saddest passages in scripture. God says, come return to me, seek the way that's good, walk in it, and you will find rest for your very soul. The people stand, they see, and they say, no, I would rather my soul be tormented than walk in the way that provides rest. This is why we wrestle with scripture. This is why we wrestle with the way of God. We wrestle not so that we may defeat God, but so that God may change us and bless us. The lawyer was not willing to wrestle. He was not willing to be transformed. Instead, he desired to justify himself. He desired to say, okay, I know this is true. I know I don't walk in it, but, but I have an excuse. I have a really good excuse. And so he says to Jesus, yes, but who is my neighbor? And then Jesus does what Jesus does. He tells a parable. He holds up a mirror before this man that he may see who he truly is. We see a priest and a Levite walk by a man who's been beaten and left for dead along the road to Jericho. You know, in, in storytelling and jokes, there's this rule of three, this expectation. If I say Larry and Curly, you say Mo. If I say Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I say Mama Bear, Papa Bear, and Baby Bear. Okay. We have this expectation. So the expectation of the people, there's a priest and a Levite, and there's an Israelite. 
That's what they're expecting to hear. And yet, Jesus says, there's a priest, there's a Levite, and a dirty, rotten, scoundrel Samaritan. Those people that you don't like, this land that I'm traveling through, these, these people that revolted from Jerusalem, set up their own idols, were carried off into exile and interbred with all of these other peoples. They have a semblance of the law, but they're just not like us. Their theology is wrong. Their heritage is wrong. How can there be any good in them? And Jesus challenges this. And we hear an echo. We hear an echo of the people of Samaria before exile. As Judah had one of the most wicked kings ever, Ahaz, even sacrificed his own sons and daughters in the fire. Set up altars to Baal. He even replaced the altar in the temple in Jerusalem with an altar to Baal that he copied from Damascus. And God exercised judgment on Judah. And Judah was defeated by Damascus and by Israel. Israel leads away captives back to the capital city of Samaria. And Oded the prophet comes and he says... Behold, the Lord, the God of your fathers, was angry with Judah and has handed them over to you. And you have killed them in a rage which has reached even to heaven. And now you are proposing to subjugate the people of Judah and Jerusalem as slaves for yourselves. Are you yourselves not guilty? Now listen and return the captives whom you have captured from your brothers. The burning anger of the Lord is against you. And then hearing this, the people of Samaria repent. And the men who were designated got up and they took the captives. These people that they have captured, they clothed the naked people from the spoils, from the own spoils of war. They clothed them. They gave them clothes and sandals. They fed them and gave them drink. They anointed them with oil. They led all the feeble ones on their own donkeys and brought them to Jericho, the city of Palms, to their brothers. And then they returned to Samaria. So we see this echo of judgment, this echo of mercy, this echo of kinship that Jesus brings before this lawyer who desires to justify himself in his hatred for those who are truly his brothers. Now, after telling this story, Jesus looks at the lawyer, the lawyer who is asked, who is my neighbor? And Jesus says, who was the neighbor to the man who was injured? Jesus places the lawyer not as the good Samaritan, but as the injured one. Who was the neighbor to you when you were injured and needed mercy? Who was the neighbor to you when you were judged and found guilty? Who was the neighbor to you? Jesus holds up this mirror even today before us. Am I willing, in my arrogance to justify myself, to instead acknowledge 
my own need for mercy, my own need for healing. The man answers correctly. The one who is the neighbor is the one who showed mercy. Do likewise. That's what Jesus says. Do likewise. Go and do mercy. We hear in the prophet Micah, what does the Lord require from you? To do justice and love mercy and walk humbly with the Lord your God. We hear James say, this is the true and lively faith that does mercy, that takes care of the widows and the orphans and stays away from the evil of the world. Go and do likewise. So what lessons do we learn? What lessons might we take away as Jesus holds this mirror up to us? The first lesson I see is a challenge to decide what is the standard? What is the standard by which we will judge things? Do we take the world and the culture around us as the standard and judge God according to it? Or instead, do we hold God as the standard and judge the world and the culture according to the word of God? What is our standard? The next lesson we learn is the importance of character. What are we doing? Are we doing mercy? Or are we just running off at our mouths? Character is important externally because our character is our witness of the gospel. Our character is our witness of the love of God. We are called to be the image of God to the world, and that's reflected by our character. We can't say God's law is good. God's law says don't lie and then go about lying. We can't say that God calls us to love and treat others with hate. I think the most serious threat to the relevance of the church today is not bad doctrine or bad theology. It's bad character. If we look about at the people who have walked away from the church. It's not about doctrine. It's not about theology. It's those people said one thing and did another. Their words were good and their actions were bad. I can't trust them. In this decade of evangelism, if we do one thing, it's to work on our character for our witness. But we work on our character not only because it is our witness to the world. But what does Jesus say? The man comes and says, I want to know what eternal life is. Jesus says, go and do mercy. Go and act out of the love which you are commanded, and you will know life. Our character, the degree to which we love one another, the degree to which we do mercy, is the degree to which we live. What standard will we use? How will our character reflect God? How will our character be life? And ultimately, both of these require a call to humility. The humility to acknowledge our own need for healing and mercy. 
just like the lawyer that comes to Jesus seeking an answer, seeking to be justified in his arrogance. Jesus holds up a mirror and says, no, you're the guy who's beaten by the side of the road and depended on someone else to show mercy and healing. We must acknowledge our own brokenness, our own need for healing and mercy. The fullness of love is not seeing our brokenness and ignoring it or pushing it away or trying to fix it ourselves. It's in acknowledging our need for healing and bringing that before God. It's not looking at someone else and seeing their brokenness, especially when it's different from our brokenness, and saying either, your brokenness is okay, stay that way. There's no healing in that. Or go away and be, be away from us because you're, you're bringing us down. There's no healing or mercy in that humility and the invitation to healing and mercy. And that need for humility to allow Jesus to provide us wisdom and revelation. To show us the way of truth, the way of love. And to hold that mirror gently before us so that we know where those smudges of dirt are on our face. So we know where we have allowed the world to mar the image of God that we're to give to the world. And to allow Jesus to correct that. And so, as we come today to this table, I invite you to come and receive that which is necessary. Just as the lawyer knew something was missing and he came before Jesus, he says, what do I need for life? Come and receive life. Come and know the compassion of Christ. Allow Christ to anoint and to bind your wounds. Allow Christ to feed you and clothe you. Allow him to carry you to the place of rest and healing. And allow Christ to show you and teach you the way of mercy, the way of love way of life. And so as we come to this table, we're sent out into this world. I invite you to pray with me as Paul prays for the church. And let us always pray for one another, asking that we may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that we may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May we be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Let us always give thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the glorious inheritance of the saints of light. For indeed, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.